In 2015, Bruce Jenner, Jenner proclaimed himself a her, and he created a public spectacle that has challenged the very nature of God's de design for humanity. In the last three years, we witnessed the shockwaves of a movement that has demanded uh, an individual has the right to identify themselves as a man or a woman, no matter what physical characteristics they're born with into this world. But can a boy really be trapped inside a girl's body? Uh, what would be the result of this transgender movement, this transgender moment, as it's being called, on our society and culture? And finally, how should a Christian respond to this transgender moment? Welcome to TW Now. My name is Jonathan McNair. We're glad to have you with us on the program today. And I'd like to welcome our guests, first of all, Mr. Gerald Weston. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Good to be here. And Mr. Stuart Wachowicz, and uh, also glad for you to be here as well. Thank you very much. You may have seen uh, Mr. Uh, Wachowicz on the, on the Skype in uh, a component of our program before in the past, and now he's actually with us in the studio, so glad to have you, have you with us. Pleasure to be here. So I'd like to begin with a little bit of a background to this current scenario that uh, we're facing with this transgender moment. Um, can you gentlemen tell us a little bit about how we, how we got where we are today? Well, I, th I think it's a long-term process. It, it's, it's been going on for a long time. But behind it, there's a, a certain anarchy, uh, a certain desire to tear down the, the fabric of our, our society, the, the traditions of our society. And when we get to the transgender, it uh, really we, we see what happened with the same-sex marriage. And as soon as that was accomplished, then immediately it went to the transgender. Yes, I think that what we've seen over the past decades is a movement that is really um, a, uh, an outgrowth of the philosophy of social deconstruction, uh, Heidecker's social deconstruction model which led to feminism and and some other movements which really wish to deconstruct the existing social order in order to create a social order that would be more amenable to a particular uh, way of life or a particular philosophy and in part of in part the um, feminist philosophy has been picked up on by the LGBTQ uh, folks and uh, that is also one of the things they want to do, to deconstruct the old order of family uh, as a man and a woman with children and to create a much broader definition uh, that would uh, enable their uh, full acceptance in society. And uh, there's a very aggressive push in that particular area in the present time for us to um, be totally um, affirming of all lifestyles whether or not they conflict with uh, cultural or religious mores uh, of the past. I'd like to add here too that uh, there have been certain individuals who have been behind that movement, but how does it gain traction in our modern world? And I, I would say that Darwinism has had a profound effect. The, uh, the, the need for life without God is, is uh, something that has allowed people to be motivated, not motivated, but uh, uh, trans uh, changed into this particular persuasion. Otherwise, they, they'd have a hard time being uh, persuaded. 
Okay, so uh, in terms of, let's say, a, a timeline of how this, how we got to this point where this movement uh, has hit the, hit the headlines, could you, do you see any progression of some of our uh, social, uh, let's say, mores, our ways of thinking that uh, has have brought us this this place? I mean, obviously it hasn't just come out of nowhere. What, what are some steps along the way then, and what has it done to our society uh, that would g put us in this, in this place? Any, any thoughts about that in terms of the family, in terms of, of uh, relationships? Any, any thoughts? Well, perhaps to follow up on what Mr. Weston has mentioned, uh, once society began to question whether or not we are a function of creation, whether or not the religious writings such as the Bible are indeed inspired, uh, once that becomes uh, a doubtful uh, construct in the minds of people, then the laws and rules of behavior that were set in place in those various books uh, become um, questioned or ignored. Uh, once a society turns away from the recognition of an absolute source of truth, an absolute source of what is right and what is wrong, such as that which is identified by the Ten Commandments, which is found in the Bible, uh, for example. Once those are discarded, then what is right and wrong? Society has to determine that. And since social Darwinism has, uh, as you mentioned, uh, has taken over, then what we're seeing happening is society deciding for itself what is right and wrong based on the particular mood of the period, which means what is right and wrong today, even within the construct of these new gender movements, may well be looked upon as evil in the future. Uh, there is no stability. Uh, we understand that in the biblical sense, so you mentioned what should a Christian believe, uh, the Bible is very clear that uh, man and woman, the only kind of sexual relation or intimate relation was between a man and a woman who were married to each other in a publicly witnessed ceremony. And anything else between man and woman or between men and men or women and women was considered wrong. And of course, from the biblical perspective, that was put in place to ensure a happy and stable society. Uh, and so what we're seeing as we move away from that is a society with greater levels of instability, greater levels of unhappiness, greater levels of suicide, greater levels of social disruption. And so it is uh, a progression that I think comes out of a rejection of absolute values. Let me add for the sake of our audience, um, if you have any questions on this topic, I can't promise that we'll get to them all, but we've already had a couple of come in. And uh, the one I can see on my screen right now is where we're going to be headed in the last half of our program. So just hold on. We will get to some of the, some of what we're going to come to as, as the solution to the problem. But we want to address the problem. What is it? Where did it come from? What are the elements of it? Because in order for us to really address how to approach it, we have to understand where it came from and what are the nuts and bolts of, the, of this issue. And that's what we try to do in this program, really, is wrestle with issues, the nuts and bolts, and then provide reasonable answers that are based on, a, on a, the source of truth. So uh, back to the, the discussion. And if you have a question, please go ahead and uh, send it in to us. We appreciate that. 
what are some of the the techniques that then were used to uh, push this 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 different mindset that is uh, untethered from any solid, certainly biblical values, or frankly, uh, any basis of morality at, at all, the traditional morality, and certainly biblical values. So, what are some of the techniques that were that were used to facilitate that, Mr. West? Well, uh, I think one of the greatest tools, and it goes back uh, in my memory to at least the 1960s. Uh, is a tool of political correctness. It probably goes back further than that. But the, the change of the language. Uh, I was a, uh, a janitor working at uh, the college I was going to, and they came in one day and told me I was a custodian. Now, I still did the same thing, cleaning toilets, washing windows, but now I had a new name. Uh, we talked about uh, instead of a, uh, a housewife, she became a homemaker, then a uh, uh, domestic engineer. And all that seems kind of funny and it seems kind of uh, okay. But when you look at it, they stopped talking about husband and wife and now it was your spouse, your partner, uh, all these different terms. And so they, they're changing the language and they've been very successful. And when they talk about who they are, we're talking about leftists. And I, I would like to clarify that because sometimes we use the term left and right politically but there are those who are leftists who are not liberal, uh, as Kirsten Powers calls them, they're illiberal. Uh, these are individuals who are absolutists, who do not want to discuss issues. <coughs> they want to force their, their, uh, issue, their uh, ideas on others. And, and they're bullies in reality. And you see that on our university campuses. But uh, when they start changing the language, uh, it affects how we think, and we as individuals can help them by falling prey to that language and using it. So, really, what we're finding, this is why we're addressing this in the program, uh, again, to our audience, is because there is a pressure today that demands that we adjust our language, we adjust um, our thinking, we, uh, we have to actually uh, kowtow to, uh, to, to ways of thinking and, and ways of communicating. And I think those who have children in schools, those who deal in the workplace and our, in our audience are, are sensing that every day. I think I find myself uh, say, sometimes catching myself and saying something that is, you might say, politically correct because it's so in, in, ingrained. What, what else about language has become a major part that's actually shaped the thinking in our society today? We were talking about some different issues of gender and the way it's used and so on before. Um, could you add to that? Well, even in school systems and many jurisdictions now across North America and both Canada and the United States. Excuse me, I, and I'll, for the sake of our audience, um, maybe Mr. Wachowicz could give a little background in terms of working with schools. But if, uh, if you'll give a little background to our oh, audience well, because he has quite a lot of experience yeah. with school systems. Now's not so the time to be modern. Well, we'll just <laughs> yeah. explain a little well, bit about your background. I, I was a uh, high school principal, an elementary and junior high principal for a number of years uh, and then later a director of curriculum and instruction for uh, one of Canada's largest school systems with about 85,000 students. And uh, in that uh, we saw the early beginnings of uh, some changes. Uh, today, however, there's much more pressure and uh, for example, uh, there are systems where uh, principals are told no longer to use the word mother or father, mm. but just parent, A or B. And uh, well, this seems well and good maybe to some people. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of messaging there mm -hmm. that, that can be harmful. And uh, 
you know, just in terms of school systems themselves and how they are being used by the groups that you've described, um, even as a tiny minority, they are enabled now to push their agenda of promotion of their ideas right from the kindergarten level on through grade 12. Um, you know, for example, uh, some schools in some jurisdictions, some systems actually, uh, provincial or state systems, uh, will now deny parents access to information if their child has engaged in any counseling for gender-related ma matters. Um, there are provinces in Canada where uh, there is just an open cultivation of gay gender behavior among students as early as kindergarten against the parents' wishes but the parents are not informed, mm -hmm. and they may not be informed. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this is a radical erosion of rights, and uh, aside from this issue, I think there's another issue that's superimposed here, and that is uh, rights can be eroded from one issue, but later on they may affect us in many, many other ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, many of these things are contrary. For example, in 1948, the United States, Canada, and the founding members of the United Nations signed a document called the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And in section 26-3 of that uh, article, it reads, parents have a prior right to choose the kind of education given to their children. Mm -hmm. Now that has become uh, tacitly a constitutional right in those countries that have signed that. Mm -hmm. but. This was signed after World War II, and the reason it was signed in 1948 after the war is because we had seen dictators, fascist or communist dictators, uh, re indoctrinating children in ways that were contrary to parents' wishes and beliefs or the beliefs of their culture or their religion, all to control the, p the student even against the will of the parent. Mm -hmm. And that's why that was signed. 1976, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, Article 18.4, which our countries were uh, signatures of, it, quote, it commits the country to respect the liberty of parents to, and I quote, ensure the religious and moral education of their children is in conformity with their own convictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when a school system goes to a religious school, as is happening in many jurisdictions on this continent, and, and tells them, you must teach this about this particular agenda when it is completely contrary to their religious beliefs is a constitutional violation. And yet, we do not see a groundswell of opposition rising up to it out of fear of the media. And the media has been controlled by groups apparently that are trying to force the one side of the agenda mm -hmm even if the rights that are eroded will eventually negate some of their own rights. And this gender coercion, as I would call it, is extent in our societies. It is eroding our freedom of speech, as the university issues are, uh, freedom of expression are, are showing, um, religious rights and the ability to express that, our freedom of association, and even due process in the rule of law is all at risk. And uh, this is a, a major issue, and it's one of the mechanisms by which these ideas are being coerced upon a society. So in other words, we're talking about intolerance for those who actually have values that are not in line with, when we talk about transgenderism, maybe we should just define it real quickly. Um, we're talking about someone who 
based on on feelings or in other words based on their psychological makeup yeah. um, have decided they are not a boy when indeed they are through their all their physical uh, design and so in other words it's based on, on on feelings we talked about that earlier correct I mean want to add to that uh, well even the word gender the word gender if you go back 50 years did not apply to living creatures the word gender does not, in linguistic construct, apply to a living person. Gender applies to language, mm -hmm. whether in some languages, um, a tasse in French is masculine or feminine, or a window. Uh, there's gender in language. That's what the term meant. Mm -hmm. it, has all, it has been sort of pirated to this new uh, application, uh, and what gender has become, or sex, we used to call it, one is either a male sex or a female sex, and there's no in-between. But what the gender movement has done is changed sexuality from a biological reality to a psychological desire. And uh, by shifting that and by inculcating that in law, we are injecting a significant amount of confusion upon society. So here's a question from our audience. I think we should go to the, go right to this then. It's, it's a follow-up into what you were talking about in terms of education. How should we then address the, the education issue of transgenderism? We started to do that a little bit. They are now passing laws to teach sexual immorality in public schools. So what we're saying, our rights to be able to actually believe as we do and 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 without being uh, fettered by bullying uh, we're those who do not believe that are being uh, pushed into a corner and 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 as we've talked about here um, but, but how would you adv advise parents then um, who are having to deal with their children facing this this push as you've been talking about in the schools it's one of our questions again they're, they're now passing laws to teach sexual immorality uh, in public schools what, what do we what do we advise people how do we approach this it's a very difficult question because uh, in some countries they've banned homeschooling uh, such as Germany. I, I'm not sure all the countries, but I know Germany has. Um, many parents are pulling their children out of school. I think that whether they stay in the classes or not, a parent needs to be engaged with the teachers, needs mm -hmm. to know what the teachers are teaching. There are a lot of teachers out there that don't go along with this, mm -hmm. and they're struggling uh, how to uh, address the subject themselves. But I think there, have to be, there has to be a pushback and I'm not talking about a violent pushback, I'm not talking about rioting, I'm not talking about picketing, but at least talking to the administrators that uh, I, I don't want my, my children being taught this, and if they are, then uh, uh, th there are some legal considerations that we could go to, and I, I suppose that Mr. Robbins more... Let me, let me follow up on that. You know, uh, as, well, as I was growing up, um, we did not, as a matter of our religious beliefs, as we teach as the Living Church of God, we did not keep Christmas. It was a pagan holiday. We keep uh, God's holy days from the Bible. And when it came time to Christmas time, we asked our teachers per, for permission not to be included in certain Christmas activities. We get a note from our parents and say, this is a matter of, of our religious beliefs, and so therefore we asked to be excused. And they were liable by, by law they were uh, uh, not liable, but they were uh, required to uh, allow that. And, and I found that 
always they did. I don't remember a single time where they not, did not allow that. Um, is this a similar thing where our, our, our children um, uh, can be equipped by their parents to actually say, look, this is, uh, they're not to be part of this activity because of what's being taught, or is that, is that something that's, that's doable? Yeah. I'd like to jump in on that. It, it, it's more subtle than that. For example, in Alberta, the Alberta Teachers Association, I've seen their, their uh, manuscript that they are teaching the teachers. They, they want to inject this in every single class, and they give examples, 150 pages or so, of how to do it. For example, math. You would think, well, how, how can math teach uh, all the, these uh, transgenderism. Well, it, they start out by saying something like uh, a word question. Uh, Mary and Susie are getting married. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on from there and buying announcements at this price or that price, which is the better deal. So they're subtly putting these thoughts into the minds of children. And I think that every parent has to be very uh, active in teaching their children what is happening. And question them and explaining those things but it you, you can't run from it mm. it's everywhere yes mm. yeah it, it is it's a uh, uh, we have a fundamental right in our societies that has been fought for mm -hmm. uh, to be able to express a polite but dissenting opinion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a respectful but dissenting opinion that is fundamental to our our nation's history whether you're Canadian or American or wherever that is being threatened. And children are being forced into this venue mm -hmm. in a number of ways, in a number of states and uh, provinces. I think the one way, is, as uh, Mr. Weston said, uh, there needs to be uh, that instruction of the child at home to ensure they understand the rights and wrongs mm -hmm. and what is our belief, and not to be ashamed of it. But secondly, we need to be able also to remember you, we do have a right to express our opinion, mm -hmm. whether it's to schools, but the school itself often doesn't have the authority to change. But certainly to the school board level and especially to the state or provincial education level, um, the senior individual, whether uh, secretary of education or minister of education, needs to be informed by enough people that this is unacceptable and it is a constitutional violation. Mm -hmm. And that's very clear in law. And uh, that needs to be stated repeatedly, mm -hmm. politely, respectfully, and firmly. And uh, there are other things that a parent can do. You mentioned a note ex exempting from Christmas activities. Uh, a letter from the parents, and we actually did develop that for the province uh, of Alberta. Um, through one organization, uh, it was done by some of our lawyers, uh, of a, a letter the parent can sign mm -hmm. requesting the student be exempted from matters of sexuality, uh, education and sexuality in schools. Mm -hmm. um, the old type of sex ed, people could argue one way or the other was more or less informational, but this new type of sex ed is really targeting the promotion of a certain idea whether or not the parent agrees. Here's an example. One of the questions, from, or one of the comments from our, our, our listeners uh, was talking about how, uh, how thoroughly soaked even our, our schools are in it. And we can stand up, as, as we're talking about, stand up as we can in a, in a uh, respectful but, but firm way about, uh, about what is right and what is wrong. But, but here's, here's what they said. My son has long eyelashes. He is nine. He came home from school saying the kids called him 
mixed gender because of his long eyelashes. Now, where did that where did that come from? Like you're saying, it's 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 pumped into the the minds of even little children so that they begin to have thoughts and understandings of 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 uh, or a perception of uh, of gender that is fluid and neutral and mixed and all these things that you would never hear uh, not too long ago they would nine-year-old kids wouldn't talk about uh, something like that yeah. but but it's uh it, it's 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 thorough so um, standing up, being able to to make sure we we teach children thoroughly, um, as we're actually supposed to, biblically speaking, to teach our children, not leave it to the state or leave it to yeah. someone else to teach them. Um, what are the suggestions? Let's say even even in the workplace, uh, some of our audience who are battling with a pressure in the workplace, because again, the topic is well, how what's, what's it should be a Christian's response. How do we handle this? Mr. West, something you could add to this? Well, I think in even teaching our children, let me go back to that just very briefly. Uh, they need to know why mm -hmm. something is wrong. We can't just say it's wrong. They need to know why. That, For example, uh, as Paul McHugh, uh, which is a distinguished uh, service professor at John Ho Johns Hopkins University, has come out and said that this is a very bad idea. And the uh, Johns Hopkins actually stopped doing sex reassignment surgery because they found it was not working. It was not helping people in the long run. And since then, the Karolinski Institute in Sweden has shown that after 10 years of sex reassignment surgery, that the suicide rate is 20 times greater than in the, the regular population. Mm. So I think we need to give our, our children age-specific information, but they need to know why. Uh, now, in terms of your, your specific question... Uh, in regard to, let's say, the workplace or adults and dealing with each right. other. Because it is a pressure on us. We were talking about this before. Yeah. It becomes so much of a pressure that adults, after a while, begin to actually accept right. it virtually. Well, I think that one example, and, and it varies depending on where one works and what one's position is, but I'm encouraged by the fact that there are people like Jordan Peterson who have stood up and said, I will not call a single person they. It's either he or she. And he's pushing back. And you know, it's interesting when people push back in that way, depending again on what their position is and where they are, when the press tried to destroy him, he's become a celebrity out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a time for someone who has strong beliefs in this way to stand up and push back. And what I've seen in general in society is those that are willing to stand up uh, are not as easily run over uh, as those that just give in. You know, th and that's why it's important. We see, I mean, getting to the, the scriptures, we, it's a bit of a different topic, but when God begins to work with someone's mind and, and actually begins to call them, give them, give them a, a, an understanding of truth as opposed to error, <laughs> what happens? He draws them and, and, and draws them into contact with other people who believe the same things and uh, for, for encouragement, too. One of the reasons why God works with humans that way, um, I think it's encouraging. We can talk about this here and be of the same mind. And uh, I should mention uh, for our audience, um, if you are struggling with issues like this, you're not alone. Uh, there are other people 
who, who actually do want to go to the authority, which is the Bible, and want to live by those things and, and, uh, and actually be with other people, be around other people to gain encouragement and strength. And that's, 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 that's proper and, and, and right. You don't have to be an island out there. There are other people who believe the same way. Certainly, we're making clear how, how we believe and teach on this. And uh, you can read further on our website and our articles and telecasts and, uh, and read more about that. But uh, you need to be with other people. Uh, who, who believe the same things for, for encouragement and strength. And of course, we believe that God helps someone to, to stand up and, uh, and hold fast to what, what his teachings are. So we can be thankful for that. Let me jump in with just two more examples. Uh, there's one fellow, I believe he's up in Michigan someplace, and they were telling the students that they have to call one another by the pronoun or the title that each individual wants. And so he, uh, in mocking this, the foolishness of this, he demands that he's called your majesty. He ends up on television. Uh, and, and, and people relate to that. Uh, there, there was another uh, individual that, that stood up, and I, I forgot exactly the, the example of that, but uh, uh, you know, write, writing a, oh, an editorial, uh, a very fine editorial, well thought out. It shouldn't be just a rant and a raving, but a well thought out uh, editorial that this uh, fellow wrote, and it's all over the internet or has been in the past, and uh, he, he's, he's pointing out that he is not going to be drawn into somebody else's fantasy world. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if Mr. Jenner uh, wants to be in a fantasy world, he said, I'm not going to enter his fantasy world with him. That's a well-stated uh, uh, comment on his part. There, there may be some flaws in it, but uh, it, it makes sense. So yeah. instead of just ranting and raving, he's simply saying, Let, let's think this through. And, and I also think, you know, giving in to this uh, nonsensical uh, world of uh, additional pronouns of er and zer and whatever, uh, it, it's an abuse of the language. And pretty soon if we do this, uh, the language dramatically will collapse. Mm -hmm. uh, ambiguity will reign. And uh, there are a lot of reasons other than just the gender issue to say, you know, these things are going too far and they're going to create damage in our society. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, yes, the, the pushback on the pronoun issue, uh, some people ask, well, what do I do at work if someone demands to be called by a certain pronoun? Well, you know, we, we could use their name or we could use something else. But uh, uh, to give in and start to acquiesce to this, this nonsense, and that's what it is, mm -hmm. of using all these different terminologies that people are inventing to create a fantasy world. Nonsense as the norm. Nonsense is the norm. <laughs> and I, I think we need to be saying, you know, with respect, I cannot do that. And uh, the pronouns of the English language are sufficient to convey meaning correctly. And that's what I'm sticking with. And yet at the same time, as we all know, we treat people with respect. Absolutely. Uh, we, we don't, we don't uh, go along with nonsense, but at the same time, we, we love those individuals and care for them. That's true. Well, we, we were just, just in the last minute here, so we, we need to wrap up. Appreciate our audience being with us as we wrestle with this, this topic. It's a real a pressing issue, one that we, we, we all have to deal with because we live in a, in a world where um, these issues affect our work, our school, um, when we read the papers or when we go on the internet. It's all around us and can affect our thinking. So, um, very, very current issue. If you would like to learn more and, uh, and actually 
be able to learn more from the insight of individuals like uh, Mr. Hobbitch and Mr. Weston and our other writers and speakers. Make sure that you subscribe to our, uh, our, our, both our YouTube channel, watch some of our telecasts and read some of our articles. Uh, share it with your friends. If you believe in what you're hearing, believe it's important, uh, share it with your friends because it'll help them to understand uh, you as well and what, and what you do believe and what you think about it. So last uh, couple of comments here, if you'd each like to make a little summary statement. Uh, Mr. Weston, would you like to go first? Well, I think as I just said, we, we love all individuals and frankly, if we don't push back, we're just actually enabling people to be unhappy. The end result is not good and, and the facts are there for those who want to know. But there, there's this group of individuals, whoever they are out there, that are pushing for this and they're, they're trying to destroy everything. And either we stand up early or we, we simply get run over. They don't care about law. I've, I've told Mr. Wahovich uh, prior to that the law is on our side, he's mentioned, but they don't care about law. They don't care about mm -hmm. constitutional rights. They care about destroying what we have. Mr. Wahovich. Yes, I would concur with that. And I, I just think uh, the social order that has been the bulwark of much of the nation's stability for centuries needs to be preserved. It needs to be valued. And if we think we can have the same kind of future as we've had in the, as, as the past has been to us with stability, peace, and prosperity under this new fragmented social order, we deceive ourselves. Thank you. And thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to our audience for being with us here today. And come back and see us next week. Again, subscribe or share and certainly visit again next week as we wrestle with another issue of today. And so again, this is Jonathan McNair with TW Now and have a good day.